From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, tell jokes, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. All right, welcome to another episode of the Calvary Life Podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Wakeling, here with Matt Doan. Yes, my name is Matt Doan, one of the pastors as well here at Calvary Church. This is my second podcast ever. That's right. So excited to be here. You're a big time veteran. <laughs> I am a veteran at this point. And today we are blessed to be joined by one of our Calvary Church members, Rick Larsh. And as you'll find out today, Rick is an Orange County Superior Court judge. So in honor of your honor, the Calvary Church podcast is now in session. <laughs> okay. We thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> How's it going, Rick? How are you doing? Very good. Very good. It's good to be with you. Yeah. We're grateful to have you here. Hey, would you even just kind of start with telling us a little bit of your Calvary origin story? Like, how'd you get here to Calvary? Maybe we might go back a little farther at some point, but just what's, how, how'd you end up here? Well, I came to Calvary uh, probably when I was 23. Okay. And uh, so four or five years? Four or five years. Okay. And, <laughs> Uh, right, I'm 27, looking 25. Yeah, there you go. The um, I came and uh, got involved with the 20 plus group. I remember going to 20 plus, and this guy stood up and said, "We're going to have a water ski trip." And oh. I'm listening, thinking, "I used to teach water skiing. I would love to do that." So I went to the fella and said, "I would love to go on your water ski trip." And it was Mark Booker. Ah, okay. And I said, "I used to teach water skiing." He then said, not on your life, you are going on my water ski trip. Oh, because <laughs> he, he doesn't want somebody to show him up? He, no, <laughs> I am the best water skier. Yes. And because of that, all the girls like me. And I don't want some new guy coming around and water skiing better than I can. You're uninvited. <laughs> Is and this true? It's true. Welcome oh, to Calvary Church. Yeah. Yes. And, but truthfully, he's one of my best friends. Yeah. And I did go on the trip. Man, I like that. We're going to have to somehow really tag Mark Booker in this episode yes. so that he sees, you know, he hears this. That's mm -hmm. good stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so then, um, you know, how, like, kind of like, tell us a little bit of how you came to know the Lord, kind of some of like your background story. Mm -hmm. Well, we moved to Yorba Linda from Santa Ana when I think it was three years old, four years old. And my folks started taking me to Yorba Linda Friends Church. And I grew up at Yorba Linda Friends Church. Okay. It was on Main Street in uh, Yorba Linda. We then built the Lakeview uh, Chapel up on the hill. Yeah. And it was a great place to grow up. Mm -hmm. So that's where I started. I can remember five years old being with a fellow named Chris Wimber, who was my best friend back then. Ah. Uh, and Danny Roach, whose dad led the singing at uh, Yorba Linda Friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we started. Wow. Went to camp. Uh, went to Green Oak Boys Camp. I can remember going forward, accepting Christ mm -hmm. in my heart. Hmm. Uh, Quaker Meadow Camp was the Friends Camp that we had uh, gone to. And it just was a great place to learn about the love of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And interestingly enough, you actually were born not in your Belinda or Santa Ana, but where? Frankfurt, Germany. Frankfurt, Germany on an army base. <laughs> on an army base. My dad was in the service and uh, I was born in Frankfurt. Mm -hmm. My three younger brothers were all born at St. Joseph Hospital here in Orange County and had the same nurse for all three births. Oh. 
at the uh, <laughs> hospital. So had he not been in the Army, I probably would have been born here as well. Sure. Wow. Hey, I was just in Frankfurt, Germany this summer, actually. Really? And just outside of Frankfurt, I mm-hmm. stayed in the home of someone who was there in the military. Uh, his name is Elvis Presley. Wow. That's that's our next podcast. <laughs> that's our, yeah, exactly. But no, Frankfurt's a pretty great spot. And Have you ever been back? Yes. We, I took my brothers back 1984, mm-hmm. 85, something such as that. Okay. And uh, just toured and had a great time. Mm-hmm. And your parents, I assume, were believers if they got you involved in the church at such a young age? You know, they were believers, but they were new believers. Mm-hmm. We lived um, in a house built by a man named Gunnar Payne. Gunnar had the faith of a mustard seed. He was amazing. And Mm. in fact, it's interesting that I'm in criminal law. He was involved in a murder case. In 1953, his daughter, um, Rose, I believe her name, was babysitting and a young fellow came by and and murdered her. And it was a famous murder case back then. And Gunner went to the uh, jail when he was caught three days later and prayed with him. Mm. And he just was that kind of a man. And uh, he lived next door to us after we bought the house that I grew up in. And he just shared Jesus Christ with my folks. Hmm. Took him to Bible study and uh, prayed with them, and that's how they became Christians. And that's how I became a Christian, is through that process. Wow. And did, did that have any connection for you to how you then ended up getting into law or just, no, I, don't I, don't, know, I don't know. Not necessarily, that, yeah. Not necessarily. My grandfather, who I wasn't real close to, was the was an attorney here in Orange County. He was the president of the bar, uh, Orange County Bar, in 1956. Okay. Started the Legal Aid Society uh, for the uh, bar and helped that get off the ground. Mm-hmm. But I think I always was interested in the law. But it wasn't late until my college career that I took a criminal justice class, and I said, I love this. And mm-hmm. then went ahead and got a criminal justice degree as well as my psychology degree, and then I went to law school. Yeah, you're a proud alumni of Cal State Fullerton. Yes. And then went to Western State to I get your JD. I started at Azusa Pacific, became financially embarrassed after one year, and uh, had to take <laughs> a year off and pay off yeah. the bill, and uh, went to Cal State Fullerton. And it was there I took a criminal justice class and loved it. And uh, so I went ahead and did dual major, and uh, I was working full time, decided to uh, go to law school mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed it. And it's not been, I've never looked back. Now we're going to get more into the law, but we probably should stop right here and just give you a chance to tell us about your wife and your kids, because they're probably listening and going, hey, what about us? So tell us about them. (laughs) Nadine, uh, Nadine, I met at the houseboat water ski camp that I did with Jim Burns years ago. She came up as a work crew member. And uh, you didn't have to deal with Mark Booker at that one? (laughs) (laughs) Well... (laughs) So <laughs> she, um, she's just fantastic. She's a PE teacher at uh, Century High School in Santa Ana. She loves the Lord. We have three great kids. One's uh, just starting law school in San Diego. He's uh, Noah. He came to uh, Calvary Christian School. Yeah. Kaylee just graduated from San Diego State, and uh, she is working with United Bank of Switzerland in downtown San Diego doing the investments in their investment group. She was a big soccer player. She was a big soccer player. She was on a national team. She traveled all through uh, high school, uh, but decided when high school was over that she wanted to quit uh, soccer. So her mom and I went to counseling for a couple of years and got that worked out. 
And then we have Josh, and, and Josh is at Santiago College, and he works at Tustin Ranch Golf Course and is now the golfer of the family. He's wow. doing a lot of golfing because golfing is free for him. Yeah. Well, you're semi-empty nesters. You're you're getting there. We're, we're working towards that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's amazing. You guys have a great family, and uh, it's always interesting, too, to see one of, the, one of the kids, like, following in the footsteps, and I'm sure that's, I don't know, like, does he seek your advice, or is it more like, uh, I got this, Dad? You know, as they get older, <laughs> you find that they seek your advice, but they don't tell you that all the time. Hmm. And so you're trying to give it, and they don't seem to be listening. <laughs> But, uh, you know, they're doing they're doing well. And, you know, my prayer is that they uh, that they live lives that honor God Mm -hmm. and that they feel the love of God for their hearts. If I can accomplish that in my kid's heart then I've done everything that I need to do. We were wondering, is your favorite book of the Bible Judges? Yes. We're here, we're here all week. We're here all yeah. week. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, do you have any good attorney jokes? Let's just get right into it. Any good law, lawyer jokes? <laughs> well, I, I, I can't tell a good lawyer joke publicly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will have all the lawyers on, on my case mm-hmm. uh, the next day. That's funny. Um, okay, so you, you take this criminal justice class. You get this passion you go to law school, and then kind of how does your career start into law? And as a believer, kind of what's, you know, how are you kind of finding your way in amongst that as a believer and like working in this in this field? Well, I didn't see any conflict. Yeah. Um, and the reason I didn't see a conflict is that, you know, we're all sinners, falling short of the glory of God. It's by the grace of God that I'm saved. I'm no better than anyone else, and uh, Christ is for all. Mm-hmm. So I live in a world and in a government system that functions through uh, three branches of the government. And the, uh, the judicial branch is one of those branches. Yeah. So when you become a judge, you take an oath that you'll defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of California against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's the oath that I've taken. And my, my job is to ensure that the laws follow justly and fairly. Hmm. So on a conflict, I don't, I don't see a conflict because I think that the people that come before me are not, as we say, under the law uh, that we see in the Word. And uh, mm-hmm. they've not been saved. They've not—Christ uh, is uh, not their cornerstone. And as a result, they live under a different system. Yeah. With that, um, I think that we— if I'm going to make a difference in their lives, I ensure that they're treated fairly and they're treated justly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do it humbly. If I can do that, I think uh, that I'm that I'm sharing my faith with them indirectly. Absolutely. So what was your first job, though, coming out of law school? What were you doing at that point? I was, a, you... I was a law clerk. Okay. Um, and it was through word of mouth, a friend of my mom's that was in a Red Hatters group or some group worked at a law firm and said, we'd like you to come work with us. So I went to a law firm in Tustin and uh, worked as a law clerk for two years while I was in law school. Okay. When I graduated, I took the bar exam. I passed the bar exam my first go around, so I was blessed about that. Yeah. And uh, went to a law newspaper called the Daily Journal. And they had 60 different job applications, so I applied for all of them, <laughs> all over the state of California. And then I spent three weeks uh, 
interviewing. Hmm. My very last interview was as a prosecutor. I didn't know it was a prosecutor's job. It was the Anaheim City Attorney, and they had their own prosecution office, and I didn't realize that. Okay. So I had actually committed to a job with a law firm where they had a London office, and I thought I could go to London and do some practicing uh, in in Europe and in England. And the um, last interview, they said, well, this is prosecution. I said, I'll wash your cars. I'll, you know, <laughs> wash your dog. I don't care. I'd love to have that job. And, and Because normally uh, a young lawyer starts on the, the, the opposite side, right? The defendant side. Is that how it works? Sometimes it depends. There's, you can do prosecution or defense. In England, you actually become uh, a barrister and you then would represent either side, which is actually, I think it gives you an interesting perspective. Because yeah. if you're just a prosecutor... You feel like you're always wearing the white hat. If you're just a defense attorney, you feel like you're uh, always wearing the dark hat in the eyes of the jury. So, like, so you take this prosecutor job, this district or not uh, city attorney job, right? Right. And um, so you're starting to have to prosecute cases and doing all that. Like, so you're, are you feeling like Superman at this point? I mean, is this an exciting kind of moment in your life? It, it was an eye-opening moment. Yeah. Uh, because we did at, with the city of Anaheim, we did uh, prostitution sweeps. And I remember they asked if I would go down and uh, talk to the prostitutes and make offers to them that had been arrested the night before. Okay. And I thought, well, I've seen prostitutes on television. They're all beautiful and their lives are great. And <laughs> so I go downstairs. I've never seen a, a, a more um, just a sorry lot mm. of people mm -hmm. that were lost in drugs and just... Uh, the lifestyle that they'd chosen, and I just was heartbroken mm -hmm. to see, you know, the condition of these people and what they had gone through to get to that point in their lives. Yeah. So that was that was interesting. The power part, um, I don't know if it's a, as much power. Yeah. You're prosecuting and want to do what's right, and and I think that. I think that people came to ask me about cases because I'd look at them fairly. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'd go, I'd try, I think I tried that first year and a half, 42 jury trials. I was always in trial. I enjoyed doing trials. The um, What's an average? Okay, 40, is that way above that, that average? Was, it was way above average. Okay, yeah. It was way above, um, but we were so busy, I would... One jury would be going out, a new jury would be coming in, uh -huh. and uh, we would deal with the cases on negotiating before we started in the mornings. But are your bosses then, they're seeing those kind of numbers, and are they thinking, ah, this is this guy's got something, or well, is it work that way? Or does it work that way? Well, yeah. it, it can work that way. In okay. our office, we had a, a city attorney who had been there for a long time, and he wanted, he wanted the attorneys to go out and just do a good job. And mm -hmm. if he thought that uh, the case should be tried or shouldn't be tried, he'd leave it up to the attorneys okay. uh, to make that decision. So we didn't have a win-loss record. Okay. Um, he wanted you to go out and give it your very best. And truthfully, some trials just need to be tried. And you may lose some, you may win some. So um, it worked out. Um, and because I was doing so many trials, the DA did come over and ask if I'd come over to the DA's office. Okay. And so... Uh, that's when I made a change and opened up my own office about a year and a half later. 
Okay, wait. So why did you? So you didn't go to the DAs. You I, just decided to. What, what do you mean your own office? Didn't didn't go to the <laughs> district attorney's yeah. office. About a year and a half later, um, that offer was given to me. Yeah. As well as. Um, the, the law firm I had worked at, the civil defense firm, came back. One of the partners and said, I'm opening up a separate firm. Would you consider going here? Okay. At the same time, I went to a, a gentleman by the name of Rick Kern. He had actually taught a class at Cal State Fullerton. And I told Rick, I said, I've got a couple options. What do you think? And hmm. Rick uh, did indigent defense. And he said, well, those are good options. But if you'd like to open your own office... I'll share the indigent defense contract with you. Hmm. And so I remember I, I respected this man. He's a good Christian man. And uh, so I went home and prayed about it, talked to Nadine, said, what should we do? What do you think makes sense? And uh, we went back and I opened my office and started doing defense work. Okay. So on Friday I was prosecuting. And people would ask my advice in the prosecution side. And on uh, Monday, I was defending, and they didn't trust anything I said. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you ended up you know, having this private practice or in partnership. Uh, at that point, was there any dreams, thoughts about becoming a judge, or had anyone approached you? Or Tell us about kind of where that dream was at. Well, I don't think there was a dream. I, th I think I enjoyed trying cases. I enjoyed... Uh, having you come to me with a problem to see, can we work this problem out? Um, is there a legal issue that I can provide some guidance to you and come to the very best resolution? Hmm. And I really enjoyed doing that. And then I, at the same time, I started teaching at Biola. Oh, yeah, that's um, right. I taught at Cal State Fullerton first. And then uh, someone from the board came and said, would you consider teaching criminology and juvenile delinquency at Biola? And so I did that on Wednesday nights for 15 years yeah. and just had a great time with the students of Biola doing that. It's mm -hmm. awesome. So we love Biola, obviously, Matt and I as Biola alum, but uh, unfortunately never got to have you. But I also don't think I ever took uh, criminology. <laughs> it wasn't in the pastor's repertoire. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the Christian education. Probably, probably should have been. Yeah, maybe, actually. <laughs> uh, so it was May of 2015 that you were appointed. We'll kind of fast forward here. Uh, to be an Orange County Superior Court judge. Is that true? No, May of 2005. Oh, five. I'm sorry. I That's was right. off by 10 years. <laughs> and you were uh, appointed by our governor uh, of the state of California. Correct. Which was? The Terminator. <laughs> is that right? That's correct. Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger. So tell us about that. How was that moment you for you? get a phone call from Arnie? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you get a phone call from his appointment secretary, who was like a, a college professor. Um, but I did get to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger. After that, it was a lot of fun. My kids thought I was a hero because I uh, Arnold had appointed me, Yeah, uh, which was kind of fun. The other governors... I would have liked to have an appointment from any governor, but well, sure. uh, because it was Schwarzenegger, uh, everyone was excited about that. Yeah, that's cool. So, okay, let's rewind there a little bit because, all right, so you had actually go through an elected, you're in a voted position, correct? Correct. An elected position. So um, what was your decision to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I want to, you know, take this on because that's got to be a little bit daunting or, you know, just to say, okay, I'm gearing up for an election, right? Well, take, Public a, office, take yeah. a step back. Okay. Uh, before I was a judge, I was a Superior Court Commissioner. The judges, What's that mean? Th that's, that's what everyone asks. 
Uh, what's a commissioner? You, yeah. you work with baseball somehow? Yeah, exactly. So a commissioner does subordinate judicial work. We didn't have enough judges in Orange County to do traffic, small claims, mm. and uh, other types of cases. So they hire attorneys that are competent in the field to do such. So the judges had come to me in the North Orange County Court and said, would you consider being a commissioner? And at that point in time, uh, Nadine and I talked about it. I was coaching Little League. I was coaching soccer. I loved to spend time with my kids, but I was working my heart out. Hmm. Um, and it was very lucrative to do so, but I was missing out with the family. Mm -hmm. And so... We talked about it. I said, well, I'll become a commissioner. I went, and I was the last traffic commissioner in the state of California. So I did that for about six months, and traffic is kind of tough because in the morning you have 200 people for arraignment wanting a break on their fine. And in the uh, <laughs> afternoon you have traffic trials, and the traffic trials are all close to the same. And I know yeah, with sure. all respect to anyone that's ever gone to traffic trial, but the officer always gets up and testifies at 4.15 at, uh, on June 23rd, 19 or, or 2018. Yeah. Yeah. I was sitting at the intersection of so-and-so and so-and-so. <laughs> I was watching the phase of the red light, which was two seconds, three seconds, oh, and gosh, four yeah. seconds. <laughs> and I saw a car 10 feet back enter the intersection after it phased red. <sighs> and then the other side oftentimes will say, no, that wasn't the case. <laughs> Is there anything else? And, and so exactly. traffic trials are really tough because it's just one word against the other. Is the officer always right? No. Uh, they're just like you and I. Um, it's the gamble to hope that he doesn't show up, right? Or she doesn't that's, show up. That's a big part of yeah. it. So what <laughs> happened is the um, one of the judges had started a drug, uh, drug court program in Santa Ana after the Miami-Dade drug court. They oh, yeah. took addicts in and they tried to work them through the process because we found when we took a person for a drug charge, put them in jail, what would happen is they would get out of jail and still use drugs. Right. It wasn't very successful. Right. And Dade County, Miami, they started a drug court program where you really are hands-on. Yeah. And so I went to the judges and said, look, at traffic trials are great, but why don't I start a drug court program? Mm. I wrote a grant, received about $360,000, and started the first drug court program in North Orange County Court. So in doing that, the uh, state of California, the electorate decided they wanted more drug program, and they passed a proposition called Prop 36. And so all felony drug cases were given a drug uh, drug rehab program, and they asked if I would consider running that. So I mm. went there, and I think that's how the governor, um, the, my, the attention of what I was doing was brought to the governor's okay. uh, focus. Okay. And then Schwarzenegger said, you know, Lars seems like a decent fella and appointed me. And that's oftentimes Good how water skiers. Yeah, good water skier. <laughs> yeah, better than Mark Booker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot, lot better than Mark Booker. <laughs> okay, so I'm, now forgive me. I feel I'm confused and I'm not following something. Right. Okay, so you're appointed by the governor, and this is before the elected position. There was an opening. Right? There's an opening. Okay. I'm, under, I'm understanding. Yeah, when there's an open seat, yeah, yeah. the governor can appoint. <laughs> okay, okay. But then you come up every six years for election. Okay. As a judge. Um, Oftentimes, there's no challenger. Oh, if yeah. there's no challenger, you still have to pay the fee and, and get ready for the race. But if there's no challenger, then you um, are given the seat. Right, right, right. Okay, So I, I've not had 
I had one challenger when I was a commissioner. Okay. I ran for judge okay. against the district attorney. Uh, at that point, the huh. district attorney moved, and then another attorney came in. And the question you asked earlier, yeah. what's a commissioner? Yeah. <laughs> That's what everyone does when they go to vote. They say, what's yeah. a commissioner? I don't want an administrator. I want someone that knows the law. Yeah. So people don't know judges. Number one question during election is, can you tell me about these judges? Yep. Because people don't know about judges. And um, <clears throat> if you go down... The, the statisticians will tell you people vote first for judges mm-hmm. on the ballot, second for district attorneys or city attorneys or prosecutors, and then third, commissioners and attorneys. So commissioners oftentimes don't win. Uh-huh. When I ran against uh, in the election, it wasn't about me at that point, but the district attorney was in disfavor in the uh, Republican Party in Orange County. So it was anybody but that fella. <laughs> and so I thought that was good until that fella decided to move away from me. And then some other district attorney came in and we fell back on the stats and I lost that race. Oh, okay. But I was gracious in that and I kind of had the attitude that, you know, my hands in God's hands. And uh, if he wants that, he's going to uh, open the door. And if he doesn't, that's fine. Yeah. And uh, two years later, then the, or three years later, that's when the governor appointed me. Okay. okay. So. To kind of key in on something you said, too, about for those that are following Jesus and want to make good decisions when they're in the election booth, how what are some resources? Do you have any recommendations? Are you allowed to give any recommendations of how we research judges? There's, there's different... Um uh, blogs and websites I can appoint people or point people to, mm-hmm. um, and you know, with the superior court judges, you really want. We don't have a lot of very difficult pressing questions. The appellate court takes those, um, except for, for instance, uh, when I was I went to family law about yeah. seven years ago, and uh, questions come up that are difficult. But with kids, our desire in family law is to protect the children. Um, We want kids to be able to live through some of the hardest times in their parents' lives. And um, we don't want kids to be played uh, mom against dad or vice versa. We don't want kids to be messengers. We like kids to be kids. Hmm. And kids worry. Mm-hmm. Kids see the hurt or pain that may be going, and they want to take care of mom and dad. And we try to protect them from having to do that as best that we can. That's great. Yeah, and I think our listeners are even hearing your compassion, empathy come out uh, as a person, as a leader. And I know I think both Eric and I have been in your courtroom and seen you operate in there. You're yeah. incredibly gifted and present with people. And we've been in there in the the happy, happy moments. We've been observers. We haven't <laughs> been observers. on trial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When someone's yeah. Ad- adoption's going yeah. official or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, other than point. those old criminal cases. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep those. That's going to be struck from the, this podcast. But how do you, you hear such heavy cases and yeah. then you go home and how do you even just have a normal dinner after such an intense day in court? I don't, I, that's a hard question because. Things that bother me, I don't know that I've seen. I, I think back when I was that prosecutor, I looked at the women that were in that jail cell, mm-hmm. the group of prostitutes had been picked up, and I just think the world's in a horrible condition without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't think, there's, I don't think there's many good alternatives. And uh, we see these things daily on the news. Maybe we become sensitized to it. Um, 
I remember going through uh, with the coroner on some cases, and a lot of the coroners had coroners had uh, great sense of humor. But you thought, this is inappropriate at this point in time. They're yeah. joking during the autopsy. But it's the way they keep their sanity. Hmm. And I think that uh, with that, we have a camaraderie with our judges. We talk about cases. And then we work to give the very best decision we can. And I think that once we've done that, you just hope that it was the right decision. And sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult. You, you pray for the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah. And... Um, some days maybe your decision wasn't uh, as wise as it should have been. You try your heart out and you just pray that, that, um, that God will take care of the people that are in front of you. Mm-hmm. The system, truthfully, our law, it's the best we can do, but it falls short. Yeah. I think that you go through a divorce, it falls short. You lose uh, a loved one in a crime. Um, the sentence when it's done, falls short. It doesn't bring the person back or erase the pain that you feel. And so I think you empathize with that. Um, and it's, it's horribly difficult. I empathize when I see the pain that they feel. But you do what's right under the law. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm sure you have to, at times, you have to make a decision that nobody's happy about, right? Like. At some level, neither party, let's say. We were, we were joking today. <laughs> a judge uh, said, you know, I, I, I split it evenly and nobody was happy. And I said, well, that's the sign of a good decision. Both <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> sides are a little bit uh, frustrated with it. But yep. really, there, there are sides that should win. There are sides that, that shouldn't win. Yes. Um, and so you just pray for the wisdom that you'd be able to do, yep. uh, make uh, that discernment. Yeah, And that's, I think, maybe familiar for... Not like nobody else knows what it's like to be a judge, but people know what it's like to have to try to in their jobs or in their families or whoever make decisions that I mean, even parenting. Right. You have to make decisions that your kids aren't happy about. But, you know, it's like for their best. And so you have to seek the Lord and God, how do I make this best decision? I know for me, even just as a pastor of Calvary Church, I have to make decisions all the time that I've definitely got. <laughs> Sometimes you're right where I feel like, OK. If I've got a lot of unhappy people on both sides, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a good thing. But, like, I also don't want to be in the business of making people unhappy, right? right. You know? Right. Sometimes it's you tough. just have to make hard calls. Yeah. And, and, and people don't feel like there's a winner in a hard call. Right. That's true. That's true. So, Rick, how can you, you know, just in, in a role that you're in, it's sensitive in the sense of trying to, you can't be sharing your faith openly and things like that, obviously. But we all want to be a light you know, for, for Christ, just in the ways that we can, like, how does that limit you in some way? Or is there a way that you can kind of just model that when you can't speak it, you know, that whole, like preach Christ always. And if necessary, use words. Well, I I think that Christ did that and showed us how to do that. Uh, The woman, uh, that, uh, they were going to stone. Mm -hmm. He, He sat down, wrote something in the sand, and then after they had all left, said, go and sin no more. And it's uh, the—you didn't see Jesus—you saw that he treated people with love, respect, and dignity. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we think we're going to change the world without love for others, then we're missing the mark. And I think you've got to care for people. And you have to love them and show them the respect and dignity— that uh, Christ, or that, that God saw enough so that he gave Christ as, as a sacrifice 
for every person on this earth. Mm -hmm. and, and that includes our Muslim brothers and sisters, our Jewish brothers and sisters, our uh, LDS, our brothers and sisters that don't believe that there's a yeah. God. Yeah. God died and gave his son for their hearts. Yeah. And um, I think that when you see that and how precious that person is to them, you can treat people with respect. Yep. Now, do I like... Um, you know, we're dealing with the homeless situation. I've been very involved in that. And that's a difficult situation because yeah. uh, we don't want people to be disrespectful to others. And we think sometimes the homeless um, with mental illness, right. disrespectful. Um, they're building the tent cities. And so I've worked directly with uh, Judge uh, Carter uh, in the federal lawsuit. And uh, now with the state courts, the folks will come in that uh, find themselves in hard times and we're trying to as best that we can work out a way to provide the needs of those folks to move them beyond their homelessness we deal with that with substance abuse issues and uh, how can we best uh, deal with the substance abuse what hmm. programs are available with the um with the mental health issues which are very difficult with the co-occurring disorders and, and we're looking for avenues that we can move people on and help them to become healthy if we can do so. Yeah, that's great. And I think that's even just your way to, to serve and to minister to people through doing your job faithfully, right? Through being, right. And being faithful to the law and treating everyone fairly and treating all these folks from different backgrounds and whatever with that respect that you, and love that you talk about. And that's right. like just modeling the love of Christ in the best way that you can. And then as we all do, when it's times that are appropriate outside of maybe the different, everyone out there has like these different work contexts that they have certain restrictions on them, but then to just to know that like, Hey, but, but, but Jesus comes first. And right. So I'll always remember there's a pastor in Yorba Linda at the, um, vineyard was John Wimber's brother-in-law, Bob Fulton. And I can remember Bob when he was at Yorba Linda friends church at a men's Bible study at, Fiddler's Three Restaurant on Yorba Linda Boulevard. And he was talking and he said, some man stood up and said how he could cheat on his tax as well. And another <laughs> man stood up and said, is that what Christ would do? And Bob said, you know, more is caught than taught. Yeah. We can teach a lot, but the way you live your life has an impact on other people. Yeah. Um, and that's not saying that you're going to find salvation because you're good. Uh, again, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I am no better than others. It's because of the blood of Christ that I'm saved, no other reason. And uh, I am blessed by that. Mm -hmm. And if I, can, if I can remember that, then it changes my focus and attitude towards anybody that comes into my court. Absolutely. That's great. And so it's my hunch that anybody that comes into your courtroom is seeing Jesus through you. And so, like, I just... We're so grateful for kind of the example you are to people just even here at Calvary of a person that is, is encouraging, just such an encourager, right, Matt? Yeah. And, and uh, so like, I think we're all blessed to be able to be around you. And we want to say thank you for kind of just giving us a little glimpse into this world that at least I, I know I think to a lot of us to be a judge is just kind of cool and interesting. Yes. And so um, I, I think it's uh, pretty fascinating. So thanks so much for sharing. Would sure. you uh, would you close our time with just um, closing us out, out of session here in, okay. in, in, uh, in a judgely way? <laughs> Courts in recess. <laughs> 
Thanks again for joining us on the Calvary Life Podcast. If you enjoyed our show this week, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. If you want to learn more about Calvary Church or share any of your thoughts, check us out on our website at calvarylife.org or find us on one of our social media accounts. We're on Instagram at Calvary underscore church, Facebook at Calvary Church of Santa Ana, and Twitter at Calvary Life.